Hey everybody, it is Paul Durham, and you are listening to Telling Lies to Children, back after a summer hiatus. It is good to be back, and it is fall now. Fall is actually my favorite time of year to write and to talk to writers and to talk about creepy, sort of spooky stuff. Speaking of which, I have a creepy, spooky sort of book coming out uh, in January. So my next middle grade novel called The Last Gargoyle publishes uh, on January 9th, 2018. So it's on sale January 9th. And you can pre-order that book now at uh, the websites of any of your favorite online retailers. You can also order it uh, at your favorite independent bookstores, wherever they may be. And if you would like to pre-order a signed and personalized copy, you can do that as well uh, through my personally favorite local independent bookseller. That is Water Street Bookstore, right in my hometown of Exeter, New Hampshire. So um, you can search for them online. There are links all over my website where you can find Water Street Bookstore. Call them, go to the website, and you can order a uh, signed and personalized copy, and they will ship that out to you as soon as the books are on sale. Um, if you can't wait that long, I'm actually giving away some advanced reader copies as well this fall. So uh, I have a little contest going now, and it is basically Sculpt Your Own Last Gargoyle. You'll see on my website I have some examples, but if you want to get creative, uh, I, I'd love to see your images posted on social media of your sculptures of last gargoyles. You can use clay or Play-Doh or sand or, I don't know, pudding, whatever else you might sculpt in. Uh, post those online. Make sure you tag me at Paul Durham Books. Put a hashtag last gargoyle uh, and also tag Random House Kids so that I can find you. And I'll pick two or three of those, the two or three best ones, and I will ship to you signed advanced reader copies. Those are the uh, those are before the uh, before the the actual hardcover is even is even published. These are advanced copies. If you win, I will send one directly to you. Um, so that's a little contest. Should be fun for this fall. If you're interested, if you want to get creative, want to sculpt a cool looking gargoyle, um, this is a great opportunity to do it. Um, so that's last gargoyle news on the podcast today. I have another really cool author. Her name is Erin Petty, and she's the author of The Peculiar Haunting of Thelma B. Another really kind of creepy, mystery, fun sort of book. Um, I had a great time talking with Erin. We talked about Halloween, talked about writing, talked about chicken coops, uh, a, t a topic that's dear to my heart. Um, and also, you should know that Erin actually will be having a Halloween party at Winthrop Book Depot in Winthrop, Massachusetts. That's going to be on October 28th. So check that out. I'll put a link uh, in the show notes so you can find out more about that. And otherwise, thanks for joining me. Right after the intro, you can pick it up with me and Aaron on Telling Lies to Children. Thanks for joining us. Shh. Are the kids gone? Good. It's time for Telling Lies to Children with me, your host, Paul Durham. This is a first-of-its-kind podcast, one hosted by a children's author, that's me again, but intended for adults who live and breathe children's literature, that's you. Whether you're a librarian, a media specialist, a teacher, or a parent, we all work with children every day. But sometimes, it's nice to talk like adults with adults who share our love of children's books and publishing. I'll be chatting with editors at the world's biggest publishing houses, literary agents, award-winning authors, booksellers, librarians, and even young readers. Join me and my guests as we give you a candid, behind-the-scenes look at children's publishing, 
the business of telling lies to children. But only the best kinds of lies, of course. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy the show. Probably, uh, I should probably say hello and introduce you, but I do all that stuff at the front end. So, so this is this is Erin Petty, by the way. Hello. And uh, talking about the firing range down the street from her. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have I actually have one not too far from me, and it's the same thing. And it's not just like you know, like pop pop of like target shooting. Like if there's like I can hear like automatic rifles. Oh God! Yeah. See, you no, know, yeah, that would that would be a little bit more unnerving to me. I think so. So bless you for putting up with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, well, you know, New Hampshire. I'm a, a little more wooded than you guys. Than you. you're down in you're yes. da, you're down in Massachusetts, right? I am in Massachusetts, and I used to live right next to Boston, mm-hmm. where there are definitely no outdoor nope. firing ranges. Nope, none of that. Uh, and we did move to yeah, we moved to the South Shore, so we are in a more uh, rural, wooded type of a place, which is very beautiful. Uh, and the trade-off is that, yeah, we've got a little bit of this going on too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, 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 you, you get some birds, you get some wildlife and you have some people shooting off guns. So, <laughs> you know what, that's probably the best way to synthesize the past year since we've been living here. That's exactly the right, the right synthesis. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I want, I want to get, I want to get to your new, um, your new space. Cause there's something particularly interesting that I want to talk about something we have in common, um, yeah. more than yeah. just one thing, but, um, <laughs> but I, I always, you know, I'm always curious, uh, I, especially when I have, uh, other authors who are um, at the early stages of their career, like you know, like I, I consider myself in the early stages of my career. Um, I love, I love kind of like superhero origin stories. I love to hear, you know, children's author origin stories. So, are you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean I know we, you know, I think we both have a common interest in sort of creepy, spooky stories. Right? I think that's fair to say, right? I think that's fair to say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> have you always here, yeah, like? Drinking out of my Salem, Massachusetts, uh, black cat mug. There you go. And my Halloween house. Then it's not even October yet. Yes. Awesome. Um, yeah. So have you? So when did? I mean, have you? Have you been writing since you were a kid? Is it something you picked up later in life? What's your? What's your? Uh, what's, what's your story with with writing? Yeah, I think that you know I've always been kind of um, obsessed with stories, like pre you know, writing, even just listening to stories when I was little and play acting and all this kind of stuff. And then in third grade, I had a teacher who it was kind of the first um, time someone said, well, you know, just write something. And she was very uh, she it, it was a very creative class, which probably was hell for a lot of the other kids that weren't <laughs> you know so right. so inclined. But like for me, I just loved it so much. And I ended up in that in that third grade year just becoming a writer I feel like you know I just wrote and wrote and wrote all these kinds of stories um and it kind of grew from there and then when I was in high school I was like really really super into drama um and theater so I was writing plays in high school that um I was really lucky that I was part of a um a program that you know would allow kids to like write plays and then they would get produced and it was really really cool um and then in college I just kept studying writing and um I think it was kind of always just this idea that I loved to do it. I loved the process. I loved, loved writing, but I didn't find 
what I should be writing until I was like 30 when I realized that like I'm 30 and I'm still reading and enjoying middle grade and young adult literature more than I enjoy anything else. So why would I not just try to write that, you know? Um, And that was kind of like the aha moment for me. Like I, you know, this is something that I could try. Like there's no, um, there's no writing police that are going to arrest me for doing a bad job. So why don't I just try it? Um, And then that was, that was the beginning. And then I wrote about a bajillion drafts of the first book because they were really bad (laughs) to start out with because I was just finding my footing. Um, And then, you know, through Twitter, weirdly, like there's so many amazing writers on Twitter who are so generous with their time and their mentoring. Um, I was able to kind of figure out a little bit about the industry, figure out about what I, how I should be directing all of this, you know, desire and creative energy. Um, And then eventually I was able to get an agent and get published. And it was just kind of a very long process, I feel like, but it was necessary to have all of my uh, foibles, you know, and all of my bad drafts and all of my edits. Um, Because now, you know, as I'm writing um, more books and I'm giving it second and third tries, I just feel like I I did a lot of work by trial and error um, independently. So now I feel a little bit more equipped to to try new things and to try new stories. Yeah. Now, was The Peculiar Haunting of Thelma B, was that, was that the first uh, middle grade novel that you sort of labored over and did all those multiple drafts on? Or was there something before that that just never saw the No, it was, I just wouldn't. I was like like a dog with a bone with that mm. manuscript. I yeah. was not going to let it up. I just loved it. And I knew that, you know, um, you know, you finish, I, I don't know for, for you with the, the luck uglies, by the way, I just like, as a side note, and you probably know this, but I am a Rye O'Chanter super fan. And, um, it's like a total honor to talk to you. Oh, please. You're gonna... <laughs> that out there. Like, I can't even believe how good your books are. And I am so excited that you're, uh, that your gargoyle, right. is coming out. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. The last gargoyle is out in, uh, out in January. So that's, yeah. um, so that's, that's, that's fun. And th- thank you, by the way. And, um, just so, wanted to put that out there <laughs> and, and, and please don't feel honored. I, you're going to make me blush for one. Uh, and, and two, <laughs> and, and two, we're all in this, we're all in this together. We really are. And, um, and, you know, we've, this is the first time we've had a chance to actually speak, but I feel like I know you a little bit cause we've been, you know, um, we're sort of social media writer friends a little bit, like a lot of us are these days, which yeah. is kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, so, so, so I, I really appreciate your words, but that's, but again, I feel like I'm, my feet are still just getting wet in this business and I'm still figuring it out too, but, but thank you. Well, your good, words are very kind. Good, good job so far, Paul. <laughs> well, 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 um, so fine. I was just, you know, in saying that, like, I loved my book. Um, I was, you know, reading, uh, like I, just because I count, um, your, your work among, you know, some of the best middle grade that I've read and I, you know, reading these amazing books and always feeling like, you know, okay, like there's something I can do. I can, I can make this better. I can make this better. Um, and it was, I know a lot of people do trunk their, their first attempts, but there was like something inside of it. I'm like, man, I don't want to trunk it. I want to keep working on it. Um, even after, you know, drafts and drafts and really feeling like it wasn't the best it could be. Um, I just kind of kept going with it. And I know that's not for everybody. I know it's really probably liberating for some people just to be like, Oh, forget it. And just put it in a closet. Um, but for me, like I really had to go soup to nuts with Thelma B. Um, and I think it was the, the payoff was for me was, was really rewarding. 
and I and I and I think it, I mean it, it came out great. Obviously, it was it was you know it's so wonderful. The first books are such a wonderful experience. I should say this for your first book when you actually break in and sort of break through is this amazing special experience. I mean, it's it's hard to describe. I guess if you haven't done it or if you are still on the road to getting there, it's sort of hard to imagine what that feels like. Uh, I think it's such a satisfying um, feeling in a lot of ways. Uh, obviously, for a lot of us, I think it's the uh, it's it's a lifelong goal to to be published, right? And I, it was it always was for me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've I've wanted to do this ever since I was a little tiny kid. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> did Did you feel like you had Thelma B in you? Is it was it a book you felt like you had you had in you for a long time before you wrote it? Um, I think that it's the yes uh, is the is the short answer. You know, it's it's the amalgam of a lot of things that I just kind of love to pieces. And that was, you know, part of my process when I was first starting out. You know, if you're going to if you're going to spend a lot of time working on a project, you should really kind of be obsessed with all of the the stuff that's inside of it. So I really did like sit down and be like, what would I be interested in researching? Who are, you know, who are the people and the places that I want to spend a lot of uh, time exploring? Um, so it was you know, it, it, the story itself kind of um, grew as I got the elements together, but the elements themselves, you know, I'm like, I just like am obsessed with New England folklore and, you know, the, the, the dark, creepy woods and, you know, the history of the region. And just like that felt like a very rich um, place for me to do some exploring. Um, and then, you know, I am, also, like the, the the journey of a young girl is is you know a, a smart unencumbered girl. You know that was something that was interesting for me to discover because I um, was just totally totally wrecked with social anxiety when I was in sixth grade, um, like to the point where like you know I couldn't sleep and I didn't you know I didn't know what to wear and it was just like a day's work days were rough in sixth grade. Um, so the exercise of creating a young woman who absolutely just could give a hoot about, you know, the social constructs of middle school was an incredibly awesome and liberating experience, just totally selfishly for me. You know, I think that the, some of the best, um, experience that I've had from publishing this book is hearing from, uh, young girls who are like, I wish Thelma was my best friend. You know what I mean? Like she makes me want to be braver. Um, and that, you know, that's a, an amazing side effect of my kind of just working through my own social anxiety demons, I think. Um, so, you know, in, in some ways the, the story was inside of me. And then in some ways it's just, it's kind of that, really cool alchemy that happens when you put a bunch of stuff together that you love and and you just kind of start letting the characters make their own decisions isn't it uh, isn't it amazing when you hear from readers and and your characters resonate that way i mean to me that's the best part of doing this i mean reviews are nice and yeah know, or it feels far and away the coolest thing i mean the, it was really really cool to walk into a barnes and noble and see my book um but it was it's even cooler to to get like random emails from people and like I'm like, oh my God, like you don't even know me. You don't even know my mom. My mom didn't hand you this book and you found <laughs> it and you read it. Like, how did that happen? Um, that is especially um, probably 
uh, true because my mom handed a lot of people my book. <laughs> so, you know, she really, uh, she really got out there. She's a teacher. And I think everyone in my hometown has a copy of my book at this point, because she was her enthusiasm is truly maternal and undying. So <laughs> I've got that. That's where it starts. I mean, that's grass. That's where, that's where grassroots uh, marketing starts, I guess. Right, Aaron. You have some. You have. Looks like you know. I, I was on your website, and you have some really cool like merch and stuff that it looks like you did. I, I'm not sure where the pictures are from. It looks like some sort of conference or a book con or something, um, with like the buttons and the signage and like there's like a cool treasure chest thing. Did you uh, did your publisher do that for you? Did you have to do a lot of that yourself? How did that work out? Um, that was actually all Mighty Media. So that was uh, BookCon last year in May was kind of the um, the big show that we did. And they uh, they did such a, a fabulous job. And, uh, and then also like sometime like last summer, I think, because the book launched in September of last year, they sent me like one billion pins. <laughs> and I still like and it was great, you know, like because. I got it. I was like, holy crap, I'm never, I'm never going to use all of these pins. And they're great. They're little, um, you know, each, there are four different ones, I think. And like, it's got a character uh, illustration and the name of the character. Uh, so it's been really cool when I'm doing like signings or school visits to be able to kind of just bring those and then the kids get to have them and everything. But that was all Mighty Media. They had, um, Last year, they had an amazing, she's not there anymore, unfortunately, but an amazing um, marketing person who was just like, I feel like she was like 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, even like my my mom got like a, a long sleeve Thelma B t-shirt. Like, I don't know how that happens. Like, it was just, they really, they, they did a lot of work for specifically for BookCon last year. And um, it's been really cool because I've had that stuff to kind of give out when I go places now. Yeah, no, it's awesome to have, I mean, because everybody loves, especially kids, I mean, they love to, to take something away from it. So um, it's from a school visit or something like that. And and yeah, but I mean, you know, bookmarks are nice. We all have those. But yeah, the, the pins looked really cool. The buttons are what, yeah, you sort of pin them on. Those are, those are great little, like great little things to kind of hand out and put a smile on a kid's face. Yeah, put it on your backpack. So you have, do you have, um, I saw something on your website for the dead fish. Do you, are you, do you have t-shirts for the dead fish in? I, I do. I, I yeah, it's, it, although I see, so it, it's, I originally made dead fish in t-shirts that I would just wear for myself when I did school visits <laughs> and every, and all the kids, like a lot of people would be like, Hey, where can we buy one? Can I get one of those? And for a while, I was like, "All right, yeah, just let me know. I'll order it for you." Like, you know, basically, I would be like the middleman, like, and I didn't even like make a profit on them. I was just like, "This is how much it cost me to get it made. Give me your address and stuff. I'll have it shipped to you." Um, and that got really tedious after a while. After a while. <laughs> so I, um, so yeah, so I set up what in effect is like a little uh, print-on-demand like gift shop on my website. So there's, uh, yeah, there's t-shirts, there's mugs, uh, there's. Uh, uh, different stuff like that that people can actually. I have it set up where I don't really have to do anything. There's like a, a, a third party fulfillment company that prints the t shirts and ships them out if somebody orders them. Um, there's, it's not like I'm, I'm not, I believe me, I'm not moving thousands of t shirts by any, <laughs> by any means. <laughs> but the biggest thing is, and I may, I, I think, you know, I might make a couple bucks per shirt that's sold. I mean, the big thing is I don't have to do it myself. And it's kind of cool that I'll show up somewhere sometimes and, and there'll be half a dozen kids wearing t shirts or teachers wearing t shirts. So it's kind of cool. Oh, that's so cool. It's such like that specific, like the the icon. And it's just such a cool thing that like people would be like, oh, what did you like visit the Bahamas and like go to, is that like a place there? You know what I mean? I but have it's, gotten that. Yeah, I've gotten that before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a very cool, like, uh, 
like deep cut for for a fan like if if I was ever like just in Boston and I saw someone with that t-shirt I would be like I need to talk to that person it's a, yeah it's like a little it's like a little thing well then and then I do um so the other thing I did which I had I had made myself that I give away when I go to schools are these backpack patches like so they're like black four leaf clovers that say the luck uglies so it's be like a ragged clover um yeah. patch and I had like and I don't want to call it like an outlaw motorcycle company, but it's it's <laughs> it's a place that did that does all these custom um, like motorcycle patches for like you know people's cuts when they're riding motorcycles. Oh, um, so it was kind of, I thought it was kind of cool that it's like it was not there were authentic patches made by the same people who do stuff for like you know biker gangs, <laughs> which was oh, that is so cool. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So um, it's it, that's fun little stuff like that. It's funny because that series of books now it feels is starting to feel so far in my rearview mirror that I. Uh, uh, don't necessarily, you know, it's it's still there, and there, there's still like new fans are discovering it, and I still obviously talk about it, and it's great to still talk about. But it's almost like um, it feels like a long time ago. It wasn't that long ago, but it feels like it in some ways. But you know, I wonder if because you have to get excited about the next thing as a writer. I think you know, and I think that it's it's a really interesting thing, and I you know, it's definitely tapered since you know the the craziness of the you know the the release, but. Um, really trying to measure being super excited and into your recently published book so that you can like spread the word and like do all this stuff. But like you're for me, like my enthusiasm really, really has to be with my work in progress or else it's, you know, it's going to fall flat. So, I mean, I think it's just interesting. It's like you, you want, you like, you love your book, you love your published book and you want to like live in it and revel in it and, and spread the word about it. Um, but like, for me, like my energy, I'm like, oh man, I really should be channeling this into writing so that I have something else that, you know, I am actively involved with. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of hard. It's like, and, and then when you have like a new one, so I have, you know, the new book coming out in January, um, but I'm trying to finish the one that's supposed to come out the year after that. So it's, it's I'm, I'm supposed to be ramping up promotions for The Last Gargoyle, but I'm really writing. So, you know, it's like, I'm sort of like, yeah, I got to get my head in this other book I got to write and finish. So it, it is, yeah, I, know, I know what you mean. You need to, your head needs to be in that creative space almost without the, you know, you need to wrestle around in your own head without the distractions of the other stuff. But then it's kind of fun, of course, too, when it's like, oh, yeah, the book's actually coming out and people might read it now and I'll get to discover if it was oh, really any good. <laughs> <laughs> can i is there is is it is it a secret what the the newest new book is uh uh no it's not a secret um the, t the title will change because that's what publishers do they change their titles um it's called uh it, the working title is nefarious and sons which obviously would be a problem because nobody knows what nefarious means under the age of whatever um but it's <laughs> but the idea is it is uh well i guess that's not a secret. i don't care if it's a secret i don't care if anybody knows um it's uh it's it's set in the most you know the fictitious town of whispering hole which is the most haunted town in new england in my little world yeah, um, and, and, oh, it, and it's and it's about a girl who discovers that um, she her father, who has taken over her grandfather's old law practice, um, there are actually a long line of lawyers who specialize in blood oaths. So, yes. so, oh. so it's they they basically their specialty is documenting deals between the living and the dead, and so that you know, deals that can sort of survive beyond the grave, and that okay. of course creates all sorts of uh, problems for her and her friends and the inhabitants of this most haunted town in New England. So I love it. I love it so much. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, um, and it, but it's it, like, I, I love the concept and it's like everything else. It's the execution. So I'm just, I'm wrestling with the, with the execution, but yeah, it's fun. So that'll be, 
um, you know, hopefully 2019, um, maybe later if it takes me longer to write it. But um, <laughs> uh, and then I and then I have I have other YA stuff that I'm sort of um, I always say I'm cheating on my real project with. Um, that, oh my gosh! So uh, so yeah, so I I um I have probably more projects I'm working on than I should be. I should be a little more focused, but that's I you come sometimes you have to write the book that's in your head. You know. Absolutely. So you so I actually just um finished uh and sent to my agent my my first ya attempt mm -hmm. so how is that for you because you're are you are you consistently writing ya or is this something that is pretty new for you um this will be my this will be my uh my the ya project i have in mind is the first one that i've written um it's i started out i started out writing for adults and before that's i, I didn't break in as a as a writer for adults i broke in obviously at writing for kids um so i'm pretty comfortable moving in and out of like they i sort of and i take the approach i gotta write the book that i need that i want to write and tell the story i want to tell and if it you know it happens to be that i'm writing books for middle grade readers these days um but the ya story i'm writing just really it's a better fit for i think you know ya readers or or that kind of crossover realm um, it's a little bit, again, it's, it's a little different than the, than what I'm currently sort of writing or known for, but I love, um, I love the story and I, I've shown a little bit of it to my agent, but I sort of don't want to put it, I just want to write it because I, I feel like, I feel like it's one of those books. I just want to write it and, and let it, let it go where it's going to go, uh, and not get hung up on, um, having too much input at the front end, I'd rather just kind of do it myself. So I don't want to write, you know, it's hard, if you're going to cross over from middle grade to YA, uh, it's kind of hard to, to sell it on spec with just an outline. I think it's, you know, I think the general wisdom is that you're better off writing the full manuscript than trying to jump, for, unless you're, you know, unless you're a top bestseller and you can completely, you know, do it on your own anyway. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's the consensus that I've heard is it's, it's better to, you know, write that full manuscript if you're going to, if you're going to move into a different demographic. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's great. Uh, congratulations on uh, on writing your uh, first YA. That was. Oh, it. I I had fun doing it, and I literally just in like the email to my agent, I was like, "If this is a trash fire, just tell me." Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's just, I feel like I have a pretty firm footing in middle grade, and I'm really kind of like the same thing. Like I was excited. It was definitely more of a YA story. Um, you know, the elements were you know, there. And I felt like I, I wrote it like basically on maternity leave. Um, so I was writing it without a lot of sleep too, but I read it over and I'm like, I think this might be okay. But I just, you know, it's, it's, it feels like such an unknown that I'm like, you know what, if this works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I definitely felt like I had to write it. Yeah. And that's, and sometimes I think as a writer, as an author, that's all you can do. You just have, you just have to, you have to write, if you get too hung up in, you know, writing for the demands of the industry or what they, you know, what they want you to write or, yeah. Um, you're not going to be true to your work. And the other thing is, let's face it, publishers would be very happy to put us in our, our little narrow lanes and have us stay there. And um, I mean, you can let the, you obviously you can you can do that. But uh, if I think being nimble, nimble as an author and and being able to, you know, tell the stories that you want to tell is really important because you, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to sell. You never know what nobody. There's a I don't know if you know screenwriters at all, but there's a, a famous screenwriter named William Goldman. He oh. wrote. He wrote. He wrote the Princess Bride, among other things. I mean, he's uh, everything from Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid to all sorts of, of wildly successful 
movies he's written. But his big his big line was, you know, in Hollywood, everybody acts like they know something, but nobody knows anything. No one knows what's going to sell. <laughs> nobody knows what's going to take off or be successful. And I think that's I think that's true in a lot of ways. I think it's true in publishing. Nobody really knows. I mean, I mean, I think it's like really it's that was brought home to me after. And I know you have you have uh Two, do you have two girls? I do. I have two daughters. Yep. How old are they? They are 13 and 9. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. They're so you're at age. Yeah. Night. That's good. Um, so, but I'm, I think after I had my first kid, it was like, oh, wow. Like, I, I'm doing this and I think I'm doing a pretty good job and I have no idea what I'm doing. And it was like this kind of aha moment. And I'm like, whoa, nobody knows what they're doing. Like everyone is just taking their best guesses at everything. It's like, so what is there to be afraid about anymore? You know, yeah. if we're all just making it till we make it, then like, geez, all right, let's go. Let's do this thing. Yeah. You have, it's you're you're either, you're either clueless or you have, or you're an expert, you become an expert. You do it once and then you're an expert. So <laughs> that's kind of how, it, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes, especially with kids. I mean, you know, once you get, once you get a couple under your belt, I mean, you know, then, they, they, <laughs> then you, I mean, every, of course, every kid make, has their own, you know, their own uh, surprises and challenges and wonderful things about them and everything else. But um, yeah, we all just figure it out as we go. Yeah. yeah. And like, no, it's, it's, you know, just as well as someone else, because like, it's so wildly unpredictable that, Whatever you do is just that's it's going to work, you know, yeah. it's going to make it. Work. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of uh, parallels in between just like chasing, um, you know, creative and career goals and just trying to, uh, you know, keep kids alive at the same time. Like There's a lot of a lot of inspiration that comes from both things, I think. And it, and it makes you makes you prioritize has your now that you have now that you have little ones. And how old is your oldest one, by the way? She's four and a half. Okay, so you have four and a half, and then and then your newest is is very young, right? Is she under yeah. a year? She's five months old. Five months. So okay, yeah. Congratulations, congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> you've, you've been you've had a very busy a very busy year. <laughs> and it's so funny because I feel like because we just had the one year anniversary of um, Thelma B Publishing, and I'm like, oh my god, like I haven't done anything, and then I was like, wait. I had a baby. Right. It counts. It counts. It counts as something. It like, does. Yes. I just have to kind of put that in, you know, that's put, a, put that in priority. That, that's a that's a major accomplishment. Uh, <laughs> major accomplishment. So so now that you have, and of course your, uh, you know, your kids are are you know too young to to read unless well that's maybe that's not true. You might have a <laughs> your four and a half year old might be might be might be rocking it out now. But but <laughs> but but have you know when are you looking forward to when you can actually you know read your work to them and ha as has having kids has that started to change the stories that that sort of come to you and and sort of the stuff that percolates when you're when you're being creative. You know it's funny because I have never ever like thought about picture books. Like just as and, you know, it just never seemed like something that I wanted to do. And then like with my with my oldest child, you know, because we, we read like a million books mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah. <laughs> Bedtime takes at least like two hours. It's yeah. really it's pretty intense. Um, but I'm like, oh, man, she's so like my daughter is so funny. And I think probably a lot of people think that their kids are like special in different ways. And I know every child is special. I have to tell you. I worked in comedy for like over 10 years. My daughter is the funniest person I have ever met in my whole life. <laughs> like she is, her sense of humor is so weird. And so just, she's so, she's got this just great way about her that I feel like, man, I really want to write 
her picture books. Like I really want to like do things that would make her laugh really hard because I know her weird little developmental sense of humor and like what would work. So in that way, I feel like I, you know, and I haven't really been able to do that because I, that's something I am scared about because I, I, I feel like there is probably a magic formula to picture books and I'm so unfamiliar with that world, you know, besides just reading, I'm not really, I've never written one, but like, that is something that I feel very acutely. Like I want to make some space to write a picture book at some time, uh, because, because I know what would make my kid laugh really hard. Um, but you know, as far as the, um, the middle grade stuff, I think that for my oldest, it's really too young. Obviously, she's five months old. But with my oldest, my four and a half year old, she's gonna love it. She's really she loves Halloween. Her favorite movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, you know, she's like, she's really into it. So she would really like that. She thinks that like what I do for a living is I write Halloween books. So it's <laughs> like in which I've been able to explain it to her. So that's gonna be really fun. When we went to um. So like, you know, they send arcs to the house before and like I saw, you know, before the book was published and I saw the hardcover before it was like in stores. Um, and so it was around the house. And when we went to Barnes and Noble for the first time and like it was there, she took it off the shelf and she gave it to me. She's like, Mama, they took your book. <laughs> like, she, this like, I don't know why they have your stuff like here. Like this belongs to you. You should have this. And I'm right. like oh no, it's a book. This is good. Like it's so that other people can have it. And it was like very funny to like go through that, you know, that cognitive path. Like, oh yeah, this like totally doesn't make sense to her <laughs> right now. Well, but... and you can teach her to, to, when she, when she does see your books in Barnes and Noble to turn them, make sure she, that she turns them face out and puts them, <laughs> puts it back on the shelf that way. Right. I can put that, put that sense I, of purpose I, to good use. I definitely have like cousins and friends that have like sent me pictures of like doing that. I'm like, thank you for doing that, but don't cover up anyone else's book. <laughs> right. Like... Ah, whatever. It, we're, everyone's doing it. It's a dog eat dog world out there. <laughs> 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 it's so funny. Yeah. Um, do you have any? Do you have any new middle grade projects in the works? I am working on. So I finished. I'm I'm doing a rewrite of a middle grade that is mm -hmm. kind of um, a cousin to Thelma B, but okay. not a sequel to Thelma B. Um, so I'm reworking that right now, and that's that's exciting. I am like still. You know, you like I sent the YA to my agent and I still feel like the pull to like go back and tinker, but I'm trying to not until I get like a decent amount of space in between like when I stopped drafting and then when I go back and look at it. Um, but yeah, so I am I, I as it, it's very much a work in progress now, but um, you know, I think that probably within the next few months I'll be finishing up that uh, that second middle grade. And it doesn't have a name or anything like that, but it is ghosty and it is New Englandy. There you go, ghosty New England. <laughs> I can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, and it is it's a it's like it's a cousin book to to Thelma B. Is it is it sort of set in the same universe or more, not? That, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's set in the same universe, but um, it's not there. It's not like a continuation of the story. Right. Um, but there are there are there are chains linking the two stories. This will be you know it's it's a little it it's it's uh, the same. I, I kind of can't get away from it because I think it's what I love so much. But like that uh, that like group of characters that are really really tight friends that solve problems together. Like I no matter what I try to write, I always come back to that. So it does have a lot of the same elements and the same heart um, as Thelma B. But it is kind of like a, a different crew, a different challenge, and some some uh, some higher stakes. Yeah, well, it sounds fun. I mean, haunt, haunted New England. It's it's really a it's obviously it's it's a interest of mine, and it's a it's a it's a cool, you know, kind of iconic subject 
<laughs> to me. So for um, just because I'm I'm interested in uh, village drowning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like I got you on the phone. And I got to ask. Sure. Um, so is that what what would what did you picture for that? Is that something that is in the UK? Uh, you know, and I have to tell you that I listen to the audiobook. I have monster monster commutes, so like almost all of the content I take and I take it over audiobook at this point. Yeah. Um, and of course, I think it was Fiona was the name of your narrator. Yep, yep. Um, yep. And she has this beautiful accent, so I pictured it in the UK. Did you picture village drowning in the UK? Um, so I think I picture village drowning as sort of a, a amalgamation of a lot of places, so that it doesn't fit into any one particular spot. So, so when I was drawing inspiration for village drowning, um, I would look at some of the I would look at some of the like highly preserved medieval villages that exist in the UK. So there's um. Uh, there's a, a place actually called the Shambles, uh, and I think it's in York, in the UK. Um, if you were to search for images on that, it would—it's a really like incredible medieval village. It's just you know the, it, it has structures dating back you know hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, you know buildings that make Boston look like Boston's right. buildings look like babies by comparison. <laughs> um, so there was there so there was yeah so there was de there was definitely an influence there. Um, you know the the second book in the in the Luck Ugly series was very much um inspired by like the hebrides in uh in scotland and and right. uk um but also like i would i i really kind of wanted to make it a, a blend so i you know where i live um you know old new england port towns colonial era port towns uh here in the u.s as much well they were not you know pre actually pre-united states but but that sort of colonial era new england mixed with medieval europe uh you know that that sort of was the inspiration for it but village drowning it was intended all along to be to sort of evoke uh wherever it is you're from so i had i it's kind of cool because i have readers in the uk who are like yeah this seems just like you know wherever here and i've had readers from new england be like yeah it reminds me of portsmouth or portland uh, yeah. or you know or stuff like and that was kind of my goal was that it it could be a little bit familiar for for readers kind of wherever they were awesome um, so, so yeah, but that was, yeah, that, that was a, a big part of it. And, and so it was a mix, but I'll, you know, we have such cool old history and stuff here in New England where we live that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of inspiration for that kind of setting here as well. Totally. And, um, and yeah, so it was, it, it was a really fun book to write. And I don't know if you've ever, I've ever told, told you or heard the story. You know, I wrote it for my kids. I, I, I never intended to have it get published. It was a story I just wrote for my daughter. Um, which, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. It was never supposed to get published. It was. Uh, I would. She. I. She asked. This was. I. I toiled and toiled for years trying to be a, a an adult author. I mean, I guess <laughs> I am an adult and I'm an author, <laughs> but but trying to write for adults, like you know, write right, contemporary right, right. stuff for adults, and felt just failed at it. And I had given up entirely. And I was just. I was a lawyer, and I was just you know sort of trying to be a good dad and and not writing anymore. Yeah. And uh, going back six or seven, well, more than that now, probably seven years ago, I asked, Christmas was coming up, and I asked my oldest daughter what she wanted at the time, and she asked if I'd write her a story, just one that, like, we could read together. And um, that's how it started. I just I just, yeah. I just, just started writing a chapter a week, and, and you know, she was, like, ravenous. I just read it to her and my wife and my little daughter, who was only two at the time. <laughs> and, and it wasn't supposed to be, like, I really had no inclination to get it published, went you know, week goes by, they just wanted to know what happens next, what happens next. And finally, when it was all done, they were like, Dad, this is awesome. You can try to get it published. And I was like, no way. Do you remember what happened last time? I got rejected and I was miserable and I gave up. No, I'm not. I'm not. No way. Um, of course, I, I fortunately, I didn't listen to myself. I listened to them. And um, 
yeah, that was sort of my break into the, into the publishing world. So. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, it was a, it was really, it was, but one, I'll say one lesson it, it really taught me was the importance of writing for the, the right, you know, correct reasons, which is, um, because you have a story that you love and you're trying to, uh, entertain or move an audience that's important to you in that case my audience was three people and um you know if i was i just had i had to give up on all the other stuff the agents and the publishing and having anybody read it it, all that was unimportant what was important was finishing the story for her and it's, it's kind of it's kind of funny how things work out you know geez that is awesome oh i had no idea it's very uh who is was it was it dick i should know this is it dickens that did the um the chapter by chapter in the newspapers every week. Uh, I'm not sure he might have. You know, that was. I mean, I think it was that was pretty common to have like serialized, you know, uh, stories yeah. in newspapers back, you know, back then. So but I, I mean, what a cool way to drive it forward. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know how I don't know how you write, Aaron, but I'm sort of I, for. I still am a little bit. I've gotten better at it now, but I used to be so uh, like a perfectionist to like a fault where I would polish, 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 you know, four or five chapters, but never really move the story forward. Uh, and this, for me, this was a great way to just just keep the ball rolling and just focus on just and just make the story move and, and keep it going uh, and actually get something done and finished. So that that's what it really helped me with was having that demanding audience that wanted to know what happens next. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I do want to I, I want to ask you about before we um, uh, before I, I let you go, because I, you know, I could probably talk to you for two hours and I know you have other things you need to do. Um, how, so you have, we were talking, we started this talking about your sort of new rural setting that you live in. Yes, um, yeah. there's a, uh, there's apparently there's a chicken coop somewhere on your property. There is a chicken coop. <laughs> and it was a nice, you showed, you showed me like, I think a really quick picture. It's a really, it looked like it was a good size one. It was a nice one. It is. So it's, and this is something that, um, I, when we moved here and I saw that chicken coop, um, I did think I was like, Paul Durham has a writing group. <laughs> like, I'm sitting so, in it right now, actually. Yeah, it like popped into my head, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna play this cool. I'm like not gonna go hard, asking for a writing coop right away. But it's just, you know, I'm just looking at this little structure, and it looks pretty cool. Um, so as you know, time has gone by. Um, we have had the second child, and if I did put the video on for Skype right now, you would see that I am. Um, in my bedroom, crowded in with a desk and a drawer. And it's like, we don't have any space to work. Um, and we both work from home sometimes too. So it's not just this selfish, uh, no. you know, thing that, that mom's got in her brain, but it would really be great for the whole family if we had this great writing space outside. So we are in the process of kind of figuring out what goes into this, what the schedule could be, um, because I think it would be awesome. I mean, like, you must just love that, having that space, because it's, like, outside of your house, but not too far outside of your house. Yeah. You can kind of make it what you want, right? That's right. And I, um, you know, it's far, it's, I have to commute and traipse across the yard, which is not a big deal. Um, But it's sort of of set back in the trees. I can, you know, I'm, I'm still close enough to the house I can run back and forth. The only thing I don't have on here is plumbing, right? I mean, other than that, though, I have, you know, I have my heat out here insulated i have electricity the wireless um reaches from the house one thing i would recommend to you the the one thing that i wish i had done is that when we ran the electricity out underground i wish i had thrown uh uh like a ethernet like hardwired internet out here Uh, 
because Hold the wireless on. is sp can be spotty. That's probably why I'm breaking up on on the uh, on, <laughs> on the Skype call with you. <laughs> um, so this... it, would be, it would be really that would definitely be what we have to do because so my um, my husband it would be his workspace too, mm -hmm. and he is um, you know he's like a software engineer, yeah, so, <laughs> so he's going to be like a hundred percent. So if if we did it, it would probably be like super hardwired. Like, and I think that. You know, we're just like looking at like different contractors coming in and some contractors are like, oh, this is awesome. Like, yes, I want to do this. And some contractors are like, you guys are crazy. You'd have to tear this down and like rebuild the whole thing. So we're like, OK, we want to do it the right way. Yeah. So we might be because my, my whole thing is like, I'm like, let's just do it. Um, but I think that we probably are going to have to like get a bunch of contractors to come through and then like go with the most conscientious one, even if it's not the most uh, cheap one, unfortunately. Right. right. Well, my, the guy who did mine is the guy who he builds houses and he was <laughs> so he was and he would he did stuff around our house um, and he buttoned this thing up like it was like a like a house the way he insulated it and put everything inside because it was just a it was just a basic. I mean, it was nicely done. It wasn't like something you would buy off of a, you know, off of a a, a big box store lot somewhere. I think right. the, I think the people who owned the house before us actually built it themselves, but it wasn't insulated. I mean, there was no. It wasn't. Uh, it was a. It was a big. It was more like an eight by twelve foot shed. Is all it was. I mean, there wasn't. You know, it wasn't anything. It yeah, was, that's, that's yeah. That. Yeah. So I. So so I. You know, if if you have a contractor here who, who's used to building anything structurally, I mean, they they would. I would imagine to be able to do it. Um, the big thing is the insulation, so that you don't. So you're not freezing in the winter. Um, summer. Summer. And then you can also. You know, if you insulate it, and you can. You know, if you can pop in a window unit for those real oppressive days, because that's it. That's the other thing that can be challenging. Like in August or July, if you have like a ninety degree day, it can get pretty humid. Um, at least in my space now, I, and I also don't get direct sun beating down on it because there's a lot of tree cover overhead. But it's not. Um, yeah. yeah, it's. But for me, my favorite time to be out here is uh, fall through spring, just because I love it. And and the winter is awesome. I love it when it's January and it's frigid outside and there's two feet of snow on the ground and I have my heater going and it's about ninety degrees in here and I just have. I'm in a t-shirt. <laughs> so it's. Uh, oh. That's my favorite time to write. And it's also so peaceful because there's nobody around. There's no landscapers in the neighbor's yards or anything. It's just, you know, it's really fun. Oh, that's so cool. So do it, Aaron. Yes. So I will I will keep you updated. It's um I think what we are aiming for is the spring. Um, so that we can like plan it out really carefully. Get in the spring, and then of course, you know that my my husband and daughter also want to get chicken, chickens. Oh, yeah, I'm like, oh god! But we do have like excellent, excellent stuff. Well, do you have any? Do you have any? Because um, <laughs> as if you don't have enough going on with the with the <laughs> new babies and new houses and everything else. Uh, do you? I mean, do you have any events or anything exciting coming up to to for the fall as far as not wise? Uh, not put. And I, I think you, you. So the the question broke up a little bit, but I think I got the the gist. Yeah. Um. So not at the moment. I think that we are. You know, we in the spring, um, which was kind of like crazy timing because I was like super duper pregnant but um there's an amazing cohort of uh, middle grade writers that are around my region um and we have kind of been doing we just finished a a big library tour which was really really cool because we got to kind of go to everybody's hometown and do a panel um and buttonwood books so if you are in the massachusetts area um a big plug for buttonwood books because they're amazing and they came to all of our events 
um, and, and supported it with book sales. Um, and they're in Cohasset, Massachusetts, and they're absolutely fabulous. Um, so we just kind of came off that, and then I had the baby, and now we're. I'm thinking about like, okay, now it's time to <laughs> to get back out there. Um, so I'm excited to plan some things, um, hopefully with the with the same group in the uh, in the fall, and we're. I'll I'll keep posted on um, on social media about that. Yeah, excellent. Well, well, enjoy and have a have a wonderful fall as you head as we head into your favorite season, right? Hell is is that your favorite season? I know yeah. Halloween must Halloween must be your favorite holiday or right up there. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean like it's just it it was and now I have this Halloween obsessed 4-year-old mm-hmm. and it's like beyond what I could ever imagine. Like I love it so much. That's awesome. <laughs> it's perfect. It's like the perfect time of year for me. Now will you wear a costume? I will wear whatever costume she dictates. There you go. <laughs> You know what she told me? Um, so she went through a big Lion King phase this summer, and I think we might be reaching the end of it. But as of this summer, the the Halloween costumes had to be um, – she was going to be Simba, um, and my husband was going to be Mufasa, and the little baby Sadie was going to be Timon, and she told me I got to be Pumbaa. Wow. I was like, oh, cool. Cool, 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 cool. So dad gets to be like king of the jungle and I'm the warthog. <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, <laughs> as of now, I think that might be what's happening. That's what's happening? Uh, All right. There you but, go. you know, there's, you know, the, the phases go pretty quickly. So if I ask her today what we're going to be, it might be different than what it was last week. Yeah, it changes all the time. Yeah. Well, oh, totally. yeah. yeah. Well, Aaron, you have a very happy Halloween. <laughs> have a wonderful fall, and um, oh, you too. Yeah, and and keep me posted what's going on. Let's keep in touch because um, you're a lot. Of, it, this was a lot of fun. Like I said, I could I could have you. I could keep going all day, but um, I will not do that to you. I want some. <laughs> well, this has been super fun. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, and I am going to be uh, waiting with bated breath for for January for well, your next release. I'm very well, excited. Thanks so much, Aaron. I'll, I will uh, catch up with you soon. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, Telling Lies to Children was brought to you by, well, nobody. Just me and my guests. One of the nice things about being completely unknown in the vast world of podcasting is that you don't have to listen to me read 10 minutes worth of ads at the beginning and end of every episode. But I hope you'll check out my website, pauldurhambooks.com. There you can find out more about the Luck Ugly series, you can book a school visit, you can shop the newly opened Dead Fish Inn gift shop, or just reach out and say hello. I'd love to hear from you. You can also find links to all of my guests' websites and social media there. So until next time, I wish you happy reading, ugly luck, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon.
I bet that woke you up. See you next time.